for most businesses, when you said, said you had a thousand dollars to spend it, you spend it. Well, now you see you, you have 350, you will be restricted. And maybe you have so many bills piling up that um, you say, I don't have enough money with this 350 to pay my bills. When you can't pay your bills, your business telling you you can't afford those bills. You're, there's something fundamentally wrong with the structure of your business because you're maximizing every dollar that comes in is going out. There's something fundamentally wrong. Great day, great day. You are listening to the Jerisha Said Podcast, episode 77. Having the courage to start your own business and actually sell your consulting services online can be tough. Look, it may not be easy, but it can be simple. In each episode, we take a deep dive into one core growth strategy so you can gain a solid understanding of what's required to serve your clients, sell your services, and scale your consulting business online. All you have to do is listen to what Jerisha said. So if you are ready for a transparent, I'm talking all the way real, edge snatching strategies, grab your castor oil and keep listening. I am your host, former engineer, turned online high ticket sales coach, Jerisha Hawk. You probably chose to tune in today because you have a burning desire. You have had this idea of starting a business and creating consistent revenue but there's a gap. Something's missing. You still haven't yet figured out how to attract clients consistently and actually have confidence selling them over the phone. And that's why this episode today is brought to you by my premium program, Newly Enhanced Services That Sell 2.0. If you've been thinking about turning the skills that you currently have into a high-ticket, four-figure service that you can sell consistently, I encourage you to sign up for my free crash course training at jerishahawk.com backslash workshop. I'll make sure that you know everything that you need to not just deliver your services and help your clients get results, but how to actually attract those types of clients and sell them consistently using very simple foundational sales strategies. This method has been developed specifically for those who have not who don't have a large audience, and who don't want to spend thousands of dollars trying to get complicated funnels to actually work. This is your time to gain the clarity that you crave to confidently sell your services online. Do not waste another minute. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop, register for the next training, and finally get a simple plan that you can follow and implement so you can start selling your services. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop now. When is the last time you paid yourself? Not the last time you got paid from your job, but the last time your business earned enough money to actually pay you. The sad reality is that most people listening to this, yourself maybe included, have been building a business that doesn't do the one thing that you started it for in the first place, actually earn profit. Making money is a priority, but the real goal is to make enough money to pay yourself and earn profit first. Today's guest, Mike Michalowicz, is a business mentor of mine and the author of Profit First. He has also written a handful of other entrepreneurial business books, Surge, The Pumpkin Plan, and his newest release, Clockwork. By his 35th birthday, Mike had founded and sold two companies, one to private equity and another to a Fortune 500. Today, he is running his third multi-million dollar venture, Profit First Professionals. Mike is on a mission to cure entrepreneurial poverty and has developed a simple yet effective framework to make sure that you are earning profit first in your business. 
I have been implementing his methodology since I started my, my own business, and it has been such a valuable ha- habit that I have developed. I've been able to pay myself consistently since starting my business. I have enough money to budget for and cover my business expenses, and I even enjoy tax time because I have enough money set aside to keep my relationship with Uncle Sam in good standing. Mike is a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and the former business makeover specialist on MSNBC. Over the years, Mike has traveled the globe speaking with thousands of entrepreneurs. And here today, um, he is going to be sharing the best of what he has learned. Get ready to shift your perspective on how to look at your money and how to manage your cash flow so you can pay yourself and experience profit first in your business. Keep listening. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a moment to thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for choosing to be here. And I want to take a moment to also give a special listener shout out to Juicy GC. And here is what they said. Amazing insights in every episode. I love this podcast and I'm so thankful for Jerisha choosing to show up and record them. I pretty much save every episode because I gain such amazing insight as Jerisha snatches my edges. This now there there's a uh, praise hand emoji. Okay, throw those up twice. This is when you choose to walk in your calling, and I love this podcast because it inspires me to continue pursuing mine. Thank you, Jerisha, and thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's episode. If you would like to leave a review, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen and leave a review. And I might just give you a shout out on a future episode. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's jump right on in. Mike, I am like so stoked to have you here. Pretty much everybody listening to this already knows who you are, so it's an honor to actually have you here on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. We keep running into each other all over the planet, it seems, so uh, it's, t- it's about time we do this, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, I am a huge fan of your work of Profit First It's literally and Clockwork now, um, and one thing, guys, if you haven't read Profit First and you haven't read Clockwork, like the book links will be listed in the show notes. You definitely need to go get that. But if you're a student of mine, you're already familiar with the Profit First Method and and familiar with Mike. But Mike, I wanted to get, maybe if you could share a little bit of like why you're so passionate about making, helping businesses actually generate profit. Like how did all this start, I guess, is where was the initial trigger for you to get this? Yeah. Yeah. And this is a life's purpose for me. I, um, I, I'm an entrepreneur uh, my entire adult life, but uh, even though I've built businesses, I've actually sold two companies. Uh, I had a Fortune 500 acquire one of mine, and I had another private equity deal. The outside looks so successful. These were multi-billion-dollar businesses and wonder, you know, wonderful, except the reality was they were never profitable when I was running them. I was really surviving check by check. I remember one company, I think I had like a, I think it was hundred, no, $200,000 a month in payroll. I had to pay for my employees. I had 30 plus employees. It was in a very high tech space. And uh, I had to refinance my house one, one month to cover the bills. And, and I didn't have enough equity in my house. It was so stressful. Um, but selling them was a relief. What I then believe that, okay, you really don't make your profit when you run a business. You make your profit at the very end. So it's really a pump and dump mentality, you know, grow it fast and sell it. So my third venture was as an angel investor. I started all these different businesses. I sucked at it. I, was, I, was, I had no right to be in that space. All these businesses collapsed. And that's when I evaporated all the wealth I'd made in selling my businesses. And uh, came home to my family one particular day. This is not too long ago. It was 20, um, 
2008, 2008. So 11 years ago. And I came home to my wife and my three children and said, um, and I was sobbing, by the way. I said, uh, I, I can't afford our house anymore. I, I can't afford our cars. I can't afford anything. We're, we're broke. And we lost our home within 30 days. We lost our possessions. Had to start over. And it was a devastating time for me and for my family. And I had brought this upon them. So uh, I, I went through two years of depression, struggling with this. But here it became the inception of, of writing and why I'm on this mission. During that period, I just started journaling writing down thoughts of why I couldn't make my businesses really successful perpetually. And I started to challenge some of the established notions I had, like profits, the bottom line, a very common term we use. In fact, it's not. Uh, it needs to be one of the first lines. Um, and I just started to challenge the perceptions of what I had, and, start, and it became a book. And so today, I'm on a mission to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. What that is, is the gap of, you know, the day you say you're an entrepreneur, all your friends think you're a millionaire, you sit on the beach all the time, hanging out, drinking, you know, drinks. And the reality is we're not making money, most of us. We're broke. We're working our ass off now. And um, that's the reality. And so there's this misperception between where people think we are and where we are. And this is the gap I call entrepreneurial poverty. And my mission is to now close this. I, I think you can be wildly successful and wildly profitable, even with a micro business. I think you can run it super efficiently and not, you know, work these ridiculous hours. And so I've written these books to solve those problems. And the last part is, you know, profit first specifically, I wrote that to close this gap on, on the financial uh, challenges we have. And uh, it's far simpler than I think I ever imagined far simpler than many people imagine to actually turn any business into a profitable business very quickly. It just requires you to challenge some of the established notions we're taught like profit comes last. Yeah. And thanks for, you know, giving us the, the background. Um, I think we can all, if nobody's lost a business, it's like we can feel the pain of that in regards to like the passion of what drove this. But kind of one of the things that is very common for at least our students or the people that we work with here in our business is, they think that every dollar that they make has to be reinvested into the business and that um, sometimes they confuse revenue with profit that like, oh, I'm making money and I'm putting all of the revenue, you know, maybe in their pocket, but they're not actually, right. you know, having cash flow or even having capacity to support the actual growth of the business from expenses and taxes and things like that. Those are probably two of the biggest things that I run into with our students and kind of uh, so I kind of wanted you to be able to explain that a little bit more too. I mean, they hear me tell it based off of what I've even learned, what I've learned from you that, you know, every dollar that you make shouldn't and doesn't need to go back into the business immediately. Uh, but can you maybe just break down that for some of the listeners who maybe haven't been introduced to it? Like just the difference between the revenue and the profit and just yeah. so how, how you sh uh, changed up the formula on profit and expenses and that, and that. Type sure. Of sure. So uh, every dollar has multiple responsibilities. That's the starting point. I used to think uh, if, if I was lucky enough to get a thousand dollar deposit, for example, I say, wow, I got a thousand bucks now to spend on my business. And that's not true. It has responsibilities of paying bills for sure, but also there's tax liabilities. There's a compensation, meaning you need to live off of that. And there's also profit, which is different than that, than your compensation. I'll explain that in a second. How what we first need to do is flip the traditional formula. So the traditional formula in profit says that sales, your revenue, minus expenses, whatever you spend, results in profit. 
And while that does make logical sense, in the way that we behave as humans, it does not make sense whatsoever. Is human nature, when something comes last, that means it's insignificant. Like, if, if I want to care for myself physically, I would never say, you know what, I'm going to put my health last. Or if you love your family, you don't say, I'm going to put my family last. Is human nature, when something significant and important comes first, my health comes first, my family comes first. So what we're told in the traditional formula is profit comes last. So most of us don't even consider profit. We just try to survive day in, day out. And at the end of the year, we hope there's profit. Like we, we meet with our accountant and say, did we make any money? And when she says no, we're like, oh, maybe next year. So what we do is flip the formula. It's now sales minus profit equals expenses. And here's how it works in practice. Every time a deposit comes in, regardless of the amount, it could be $1,000, it could be $10, it could be $10,000, it doesn't matter. When deposits come in, we're going to take a predetermined percentage of that money, say 5 or 10% or 15%, and allocate it toward profit. It's the pay yourself first principle applied to business. So for example, if I had $1,000 come in and I'm allocating 10% to profit, I take $100, put it into the profit account, and now there's $900 for other purposes. I believe there's, there's, I call it the five foundational accounts. I think there's five kind of functions that need to happen in every business. So this is the basic core setup. The first account, these are all done in your bank, by the way. And the reason it has to be done in the bank is to intercept your natural behavioral path. Many people say, oh, I, I can do the system like this in my accounting software or on a spreadsheet. The problem is most entrepreneurs, if you're like me, do bank balance accounting. So what I do, I still do it every morning, sometimes multiple times a day, log into my phone, go into the bank account, and uh, see what my money balance is. And if I have a lot of money there, I'm like, yeah, I can spend money. This is great. If I have no money, I panic and you know, just try to sell anything to anybody. So that's what's called bank balance accounting, where I look at my bank statement or my online banking to see how much cash I have available. If that's your natural behavior, if you check your bank balance with regularity, we need to set the system up at your bank to intercept that natural be behavioral path you have. So the five accounts are this, the income account, it's an account, uh, checking account at your bank, all your deposits go into this account, but it's a depository only account, meaning money will go into it, but we never pay a bill from it, just accumulates cash. This next account is called a profit account. Now profit is a reward to shareholders. And if you own a small business, if you started the, or you invested in it, or you have a partner and you're partnered in this business, you are a shareholder. So many of us are 100% shareholders or 50% shareholders, but we own a substantial amount of stock. I happen to own stock in, in Ford. Ford sends its distribution checks. I remember the event you were at, I shared that distribution check that came for 13 bucks. I get, this, I get this distribution check and I don't look at it and say, oh, I don't deserve this money. I'm going to return it to Ford. And I don't look at it and say, oh, now I have to work for this. I got to go down and work the line for an hour or two. That money is a return for me being a shareholder, for taking risk and investing in their stock. My hope is the valuation of Ford goes up. Now, the same thing is true for our small business. You own stock. The hope is the valuation goes up, meaning the company is worth more and more over time. But a reward of profit is not pay for you to do work. It's not, it's not um, anything but a return for your investment, which was simply starting the business. Maybe you put money into it, Maybe you put sweat equity into it, but you invest in the business. This is a return for being a shareholder, that extraordinary risk taker. The next account, the third account, is called owner's compensation. Owner's compensation is the compensation for being what's called the owner-operator. 
This is the person that owns a business, but also has to work within the business, which is the definition of almost all small businesses. So I expect everyone watching right now, if you own a business, you probably also work inside your business. I do. And um, this money is to pay you a normalized salary for the work you do. So this is what you live off of. You live off your owner's compensation. That is your salary. The profit is a bonus that accumulates over time and will take out uh, maybe quarterly as a shareholder to reward you for starting the business. So owner comp is your lifestyle account. Profit is a bonus and a celebratory or reward. You don't live off of both. That's the mistake most people make. They take out every penny they can and their life is maximized to every penny they make. And then when they have a bad month or two, they panic because they can't even pay their own personal bills. So we're going to have a profit account. We're going to have an owner's comp account. Salary versus re, uh, a reward for being a shareholder. The fourth account is tax. Uh, every year, every quarter, tax man comes knocking and says, you owe a tax bill. As of, as of, as of us recording this, it, we're, we're nine days away, at least in New Jersey and federally, from the next tax bill being, being due. So we got to send in, in our installments. But I suspect everyone watching has started their business, hopefully because it's something you're passionate about and enjoy doing. I think you also started it for financial freedom. And the definition of financial freedom is not worrying about bills, not worrying about money. And when the tax bill comes, most of us, oh my gosh, that's total panic. So the business is going to start allocating money for us to a tax account. And it doesn't matter the formation business you have, the business can always accommodate the tax liabilities. The last account is called OPEX, and that's your operating expenses. Now, this is, these are all percentage accounts, meaning when $1,000 comes in, that'll be the number we work with. 1000 bucks comes in, if I say I'm putting 10% to profit, 100 bucks goes there. If I want to pay myself a salary, I, say, I may say 40% goes there. So I have $1,000, $400 is actually going to go to pay me uh, my salary. Now, maybe I say for the... Um, the taxes, maybe 15% goes there. So that's $150. So now as I carve up this money, $1,000 comes in, I've allocated for 100 for profit, 400 for owner's comp, that's 500 together, another 150 for taxes, that's 650. Then when it gets to OPEX, 35%, the remaining money goes there, which is $350. And what happens now, when you log in that bank account, like we used to do, we used to see $1,000 and say, I got $1,000 run this business. Now you log in and say, oh, I have $350 to run this business and the other stuff is taking care of me. And now you have immediate clarity on how and effectively where you can use that money. For most businesses, when you said, said you had $1,000 to spend it, you spend it. Well, now you see you, you have $350, you will be restricted. And maybe you have so many bills piling up that um, you say, I don't have enough money with this $350 to pay my bills. When you can't pay your bills, your business telling you you can't afford those bills. You're, there's something fundamentally wrong with the structure of your business because you're maximizing every dollar that comes in is going out. There's something fundamentally wrong. Now you're constrained to know what you really have to work with. And if you can't afford it, you got to cut unnecessary costs and the opportunity exists, I believe, in every business. And you need to increase margin. How do you get paid more for what you do? And by making those two shifts, you'll get in alignment with the profit first strategy. This episode was generously sponsored by Acuity Scheduling. We are all ready to make more money and serve more people. But if you are in an email ping pong game with potential clients struggling to schedule your next call, let me introduce you to my software sugar daddy, Acuity Scheduling. Look, if the need to easily schedule calls and collect payment is holding you back from actually making money in your business, you need a simple solution. 
You need to have an automated process that handles all of the administrative and payment collection tasks for you. You need something that integrates with your calendar so you never miss an appointment and sends reminders to your clients so they show up on time. You need Acuity Scheduling. I've dated all the top scheduling softwares that the interwebs have to offer, but nothing has come close to Acuity Scheduling. I've been rocking with Acuity Scheduling for two years and counting. They continue to exceed my expectations, and they are always making improvements. That's real love. And to share the love, you can visit acuityscheduling.com backslash hawk hustle to get a 45-day trial to test it out for yourself. You will thank me later. Visit acuityscheduling.com backslash hawk hustle to get your 45-day trial of Acuity Scheduling now. Man, and uh, for anybody who's still listening, like this stuff actually works. Still listening. Um, <laughs> you're like, this is bullshit. I'm out of here. <laughs> um, you know, because I, Mike, I was telling you, I've been doing this since I started my business. And I'm yeah. so fortunate that I have been because when taxes come around, I I actually look forward to paying my taxes. I love hearing that. You know, because yeah. it's like, oh, I have all this money. And kind of the beautiful thing is in the first year and even uh, two years of using the profit first method, I was still trying to figure out what my percentages would need to be. And I think something that's maybe something to note is, you know, in the beginning years of your business, I think at least for me, my percentages have changed from the first year to the second year that we've done it because just of how the business has grown and you know, being in a growth stage, how the percentages have had a shift. But um, I I love the fact that I have no worries whatsoever when taxes come around. And, you know, it's funny because my my, uh, accountants or my friends would be like, oh, you know, I signed up for a payment plan for my taxes this year. Or my accountant, do you need a payment plan? I'm like, no, I can pay the whole, the whole check right now. It's not a big deal. Like, you know, because I've been putting the money away. So it's beautiful. You know, it's a funny thing. So um, it's, Profit First is based upon behavioral psychology. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of humanity is wired the same way. We're all the same. And here's what I discovered. We live through this thing called loss aversion when it comes to taxes. Loss aversion is this mechanism in our mind that once we possess something, if, if I give you something, we put more significance in it than before you had it. So a classic example is like a car. Maybe one day you drive by a showroom, you see a fancy new red whatever, sports car that you say, I want that one day. One day I'll have that. But you don't, take on an extra job and start driving for Uber through the night and do all these different things to get that car. But maybe one day somehow you acquire it and now it's in your garage. Now we put this huge significance in it because there's no longer a car in a showroom. Now it's your baby, right? And if the car dealership says, you know what, you missed a payment, we're going to reclaim that car if you don't pay quickly, what will we do? Well, then we'll get the second job at Uber working through the we'll night. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll cancel you know, the insurance and we'll never dri- we won't even drive the car. We'll leave in the garage to cut costs. We'll do extraordinary things to retain something, often illogical things to retain something, but we won't do that same level of commitment if we never had in the first place. Well, the interesting thing about taxes in the traditional sense is money flows in your business. And if you're not using the profit first system, chances are you spend every penny you have. Um, you're constantly spending it all. And then the tax bill comes. Now we look at the tax bill and say, oh my God, this is my money. The government's coming and taking from me. 
screw the government, they suck, but I know if I don't pay, I'm going to jail, so I need to sell something. And, and it's an angry thing. Some accountants will say, spend more money, actually. If you want to spend, send less to the government, incur more expenses. So spend $10 and you'll save three, which it's illogical. Here's, here's the power of the system. If we allocate money to a tax account, that money never comes into our possession. The business actually holds it on our behalf. Then when the tax bill comes, it doesn't come out of my pocket. The business pays it. It's like I hear over and over, it's celebratory. I can't wait. My taxes are due soon. I can't wait to pay them because I have the money reserved. And I actually think there might be a little bit extra left over. It feels like a bonus might be coming. That's, my way. And that's what's happened to me. And I'm like, it's kind of the funny part about doing this is like you said, you get the distribution checks from your profit. It's I've had to train myself to learn how to spend money on myself with yeah, my yeah 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 that's a big that's a big step you know like I, so I had like um and I'm not sure if you recommended this in the book or maybe one of my mentors might have recommended it like they're like just make a wish list of all the stuff you want and then as your profit hit you know gets to that point maybe every quarter take out half of what's in your profit and like go buy the thing I had to teach myself how to like it's okay for me to make money in my business and actually spend it on myself outside of like you know living expenses and business expenses. Yeah. And, and the thing is that, that builds positive momentum. Yeah. So when we reward ourselves and you can define the reward, the reward could be stuff. Like I got an iWatch. I remember this, I got this years ago. I still, every time I look, I'm like, oh, my business bought that for me as a gift. Right. And, and then I had to use a single credit card. It was a cash payment out of my profit. Um, so you can reward yourself with stuff, but you can also save for your future. Uh, it could be your own retirement plan, or maybe you have student debt or something from the past. You can use a wipe of that out. As long excuse me, as it's rewarding you and not going back into the business. One final thing I want to share about taxes is we all have a legal requirement to give the government money and it's called tax. The true kind of assessment of this is if you're a business owner, you're basically an agent for the government. When you're collecting money from your clients, a portion of that is going to go to the government. That's the tax distribution. So when the money comes in, if we allocate off of every you know, $1,000 comes in or whatever the dollar amount is, if we allocate 15% of that money, that's typically the number, into taxes, we're simply doing our civil duty effectively and reserving what's their money. The shame is most of us, we see $1,000 like, oh, I have $1,000. No, no, no. The $1,500 or $150 is specifically for the government, and then there's, that leaves $850 for the other components of your business. So if you see it that way, that that money was never yours in the first place, and you allocate it into this account so you never touch it, it is, it's actually kind of fun to pay taxes, which I know sounds absurd. <laughs> yeah, but it is, though. I mean, I've yeah. enjoyed it. So, I mean, I think, and thanks for just giving us a rundown of what the Profit First method is um, and the different components. But I know somebody... We had a student recently ask, at what point in my business should I actually be paying myself profit? Because let's say they're doing, you know, maybe ten to $30,000 a year, and they're also trying to invest in the, like, you know, get the coaching yeah. and things to grow. Yeah. Kind of, are there, can you maybe just talk us a little bit through um, how, to, how the profit first method might evolve? Like one, when can you actually start paying yourself? Yeah. And two, um, how the profit first method maybe needs to be massaged when you're in different seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Business. Yeah. So you start immediately, no matter what. You, you see, what we're doing is we're establishing a new discipline. And as your business grows and morphs and changes, we need that discipline in place. The mistake most entrepreneurs make who are not profitable will not use a system or any system. They'll try to grow their way. 
Uh, and I, listen, I, I've worked with businesses and I experienced myself that do millions of dollars and they still haven't figured out profit. Now I'll tell you this, I would far rather own a $30,000 business making no profit than a two or $3 million business not making profit. Cause I've had that. And I remember doing $3 million, having this massive overhead and not making a penny. Revenue is a stress factor. So the more revenue you generate, the more stress you'll experience. And the reason is revenue is obligation. Every time I sell something, I got to deliver something to a customer, a product or a service to what they're paying me for. So the more revenue, the more obligation my organization has, which means the more stress on me. The balance of, of course, is profit, cash reserved. More and more money saved up brings that balance because it gives me longevity. It gives me protection. It gives me enjoyment. So start this habit immediately. Now, what I suggest in, in my wrote the Profit First book, based upon different sized businesses, I had different percentages that you should ultimately target. But every business when starting this out should start off very slowly. We, uh, we have over 150,000 companies that have implemented Profit First. We think by the end of 2019, we'll surpass 200,000 companies that have implemented Profit First. What we find consistently, a couple things. First of all, start the system immediately. Next thing, start with a low percentage. So if, if you're doing $30,000 a year or whatever, 1% of your income, that's a very low percentage, we should have going to profit. Because that means now if $1,000 comes in as a deposit this week or this month, 1%, that's $10, goes into this profit account. Now you have $990 to address the rest of the business. So it doesn't affect the operations much. If you can survive on 1,000, you can survive on 990. That's inconsequential. What's highly consequential is you start building a profit discipline. You start building that muscle. And it's just a matter of time before you start saying, oh, I wonder if that profit can go to 2% or 3%, start growing it and start morphing your business to be highly profitable. The um, other thing is owner's comp. What's interesting is a smaller business, owner's compensation is typically a much higher percentage than a bigger business. So when I'm you know, uh, running a $30,000 business, I might be taking 50 or 60 or even 70% of that money home. So I'm generating 30,000 in revenue. I need, you know, 20, 20,000 bucks just to survive. So that's 70% roughly of the money. So there's 1% going to profit, 70% to owner's compensation in a case like that, and then maybe 15% to tax. And then you see your very razor thin operating expenses. And while that may be tough to see that, that's the reality. Now, a lot of people say, I'm going to plow back money into the business. You know, every dollar that comes in is going back into the business so we can grow. Here's the problem with the concept of plowing back everything. Plowback is usually arbitrary, meaning every dollar comes in, gets spent. Well, we'll maximize that spend saying, you know, everyone else is doing Facebook ads and I have just enough to do some Facebook ads. I'll do some Facebook ads. There's no consideration of the return on investment. Facebook ads may be great, but they may be a total just wasted cost for you. A, a basically a charitable event. You're just giving the money away. What's interesting with these 150,000 plus businesses doing it, we found businesses that are in the discipline of taking the profit first have less money to spend, of course. They start becoming much more concerned with the ROI on every investment. Should we do Facebook ads or is it better not to do any ads whatsoever, but maybe reward clients for referrals, give them 50 bucks for every referral. Maybe that's a better approach. They're much more considerate of the alternatives. They're also much more innovative because when you constrain how much money is available to operate the business, necessity is the mother of invention. You must find better ways to operate, different ways to operate. So by constraining the spend, we find businesses become more frugal in their spend, but much more innovative, Parkinson's law. And they actually start targeting a specific customer base, meaning 
I'm doing fewer things. I, I got to restrict what I'm spending. I better target one community to get the word out there so that they start talking about me. That's called niche specialization. So we want to narrow things down, uh, become specialized in serving a particular type of customer very effectively, cost less to market to them. And now, because we're starting one community, we start building a reputation. Those businesses often start growing faster. That's my final thought, is when you take your profit first, we've seen it over and over now, well over 100,000 times, over and over, businesses that take their profit first actually grow faster than the ones who are not. Mm. And I mean, I agree with you a thousand percent on that just from personal experience and from even when, I, know, I love that you said that it should be happening right away. Yeah. Um, Cause some students are like, well, I'm not making enough money yet. Or I can imagine somebody listening. I'm not making enough money yet to pay myself. I'm not, I, I haven't, you know, earned being able to actually get paid in my business. Yeah. Um, but like I, I was telling you before, we introduce everybody that comes into our program into profit first. And it's probably one of the most rewarding things is hearing a student say, I've been in business for the last three years and this is the first time I have ever paid myself. I love that. I love that. The most like, like it is like, oh my goodness. And we should be like, that's why we started our businesses is. That's why we're doing it. And resentment is a real risk we run. If we don't pay ourselves, I didn't, when when I started my first couple businesses, I didn't pay myself. I thought I had to, you know, flog myself through my business. I deserve to be the great sacrificer, to sacrifice myself. And my first business, I, I didn't pay myself for three years. I hated that business. I remember paying payroll and I wasn't taking a thing and resentful of my employees for making money and I'm not, I'm sacrificing myself. I hated it. My second company is about six months in. I'm like, here I go again, not paying myself. I hate this business. We need to start rewarding ourselves. Um, And even though you may not be making this amazing salary on a small business from day one, if you start getting this mechanism of paying yourself, it starts building that muscle of that you are that important. And, And listen, in small businesses, like like mine, like like pretty most pretty much yours and everyone that's listening, the most important employee you'll ever have is you. Like there's no one as devoted to business like you are. So shouldn't you be paid the most, in fact? And I believe that to be true. But we can only get there if we start allocating money toward owner's pay and paying ourselves. And can you maybe dive into that a little bit more too? Because when I heard you say that at the event in California about like we – we are uh, uh, need to be as business owners. We are of ser- in service to the business. Like we are right. an employee of the business, even if we are the CEO of the business. Right. And can you maybe just talk about that concept a little bit more? Who you know? Because I think sometimes people are like, well, I'm the entrepreneur, I'm the business owner. It's like you are, but you're still also in service to the business, and the business is also in service to you, since you are the most important asset. Yeah, yeah. You you are an employee of the business, right? So. Let me tell you who's not an employee of the business. An owner of McDonald's. I, I, so I go to McDonald's regularly. I'm not bragging here. Uh, but I travel a lot, and it's just so convenient. And it is. <laughs> it's so convenient, right? And, and the hamburgers are actually pretty good, and so are the chicken nuggets. Um, I know it's not healthy, but I go there. And uh, I started a little new habit. I, when I'm there, I'll say, hey, uh, may I speak with the owner? Not because I have a complaint. I'm just curious about the business operations. I've yet to go to any McDonald's where the owner was there. The cashier will say, I, I don't know. I don't even know who the owner is, right? The owner's not in that little closet, which is a glorified office, you know, or a glorified closet that they call an office. They're not flipping burgers. They're not, they're not cooking the fries. The owner just comes in and collects the money. So and the owner of a business is someone who owns a business but does not work in it. 
If you're an owner operator, that is where you're also taking the responsibility for being an employee of the business. And you truly are the employee. So if you own a business and you work inside that business, you are an employee, just like any other employee. So the question is, if you weren't there and you had to hire that person, what would you pay them? How would you get them? Probably through giving them a salary. Well, that's what you are responsible to give yourself because miraculously, you got yourself. The best person this company could ever have is you, and we got you. But now we got to start paying you accordingly. The, the funny thing is our ego, too. When we were at that event, uh, I think it was in California, I, uh, I asked, there was maybe, you know, a couple hundred people in the room, and I said, uh, who here has employees? And, you know, the hands go up. And then I picked one guy through the front, and I said, hey, how many employees do you have? And I don't know, I said like seven or eight. I said, and his, I don't remember his name. We'll just call him Joe. I said, uh, hey, Joe, how well, what's the first name of your best employee? And uh, he goes, Margaret. And uh, I never met him before. And I said, bullshit, dude. Margaret's not the best employee. And uh, I said, I, I'll, I'll guarantee you she's not because you're the best employee. And he's like, well, I, yeah, I mean, I am, but I can't admit that. Our ego prevents us from acknowledging the fact that you are the best employee. As the owner of the business, no one has your drive. No one has your commitment. No one's as vested in the success of the business as much as you are. No one can sell like you. No one can work like you. No one will sacrifice their family like you for this business, but you do. And that's the definition of the world's greatest employee. So the business needs to start paying you accordingly because if we don't, resentment will kick in. That's the importance of owner's pay. Mm, that is so good. Thank, and thank you for breaking that concept down. So for anybody listening who's like, okay, I hear you guys about this profit first thing. I already got your book in my Amazon cart. We're about to check out right now. What is the first step that you would tell somebody to do to actually start implementing this and starting to build that habit? Click on the buy button, not Amazon. <laughs> yeah, <it's in> your <laughs> cart. Click on buy. Uh, yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it's for real though. Go buy, buy, buy the book. <laughs> yeah, the first step, you know, when, when people discover the book, I, I have found um, people that have failed with profit first implementation. So that happens frequently too, unfortunately. And uh, we have a tremendous amount of successes. So I was trying to figure out what's the difference. Here's what it is. Once you start digesting and reading the book, the people who have failed generally try to do the entire system right away. It's too intense. The analogy I use is, is exercise. If, you've, if you're not a runner and you've never run a marathon in your life and, you, you, and that's just not who you are and you decide, you know what, I want to start running marathons. The first day you start preparing for this, you don't run a marathon, right? You have to build to it. It's all about stretching and preparing. And over time, it may take you six months or even a year to be fully prepared. You build that stamina and muscle. Well, the same thing is with Profit First. If you read the entire book and try to do the marathon system from day one, it may be too much of an abrupt change that it may actually crush you, hurt your business, and you'll give up on the system forever. And that'd be a shame because the system works. We just need to get there. So I even say in the book, I think it's after chapter two, it says, if you've gotten this far, we can stop. Um, here's the two steps you need to take. And I encourage this for everyone. Step one is go to the bank and set up one savings account. I don't care what bank you work with. If you like your bank, keep working with them. Set a savings account there and call it profit. That's the first step. The second step is, we referred to this earlier, allocate 1% of your income. We want to pick a number that's so low that it won't have any impact in your business. So $1,000 comes in, $10, that's 1%, goes to profit. There's $990 left over, and you can continue to operate the business as you always have in the past. So nothing else changes. Save so $1,000, bucks. it's now $990. But what happens is you'll start seeing that money accumulate in the profit account. And I know when the aha comes. 
it's usually after a month or two and you're like, holy cow, I've never had a cash profit before, but there it is. Then you'll say, oh, maybe well, if I try 2% or 3%, and slowly we start building to the marathon of the system. Start very slowly, start very simply, um, but start. You know, it's funny, I was talking with um, a, a close now friend of mine. She's a colleague uh, in the Profit First Professionals organization that we started, and uh, she's going to be hosting a new podcast called Profit First Nation. There's so many people that are excited about Profit First that we want to start doing a show around it. And uh, I'm blessed enough that I, I don't have the time to do another podcast of my own. So she's going to be hosting it. And we were talking this morning and said, what's the real biggest challenge getting started? And uh, we both concluded it's getting our butt to the bank. If That's usually the biggest resistance point to the Profit First system. Oh, I got to set up another bank account. I don't have time for this. <laughs> Yes, it's going to be an hour of your time, but it's probably going to be the best invested hour of your time in your life. So, you know, let's cancel watching TV for an hour or, or answering emails at work for an hour and let's devote ourselves to get ourselves to the bank. Because once you get this one account set up and start allocating money, the mind shift happens. You'll start realizing you can allocate money toward profit and to yourself first and that you'll start running your business more and more efficiently. So that, that's how you get started. Get your butt to the bank. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, so most banks now, I didn't even have to go to the bank to open up the additional savings accounts. I literally could just, I clicked three buttons on my- You don't mind. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even have to go to the bank. So there's no excuse, guys. There's just no set up excuse. an account, make that 1% distribution and get started. But Mike, thank you so much for coming on and breaking down these concepts. Um, like I said, I talk about you all the time, so it's really nice to put, you know, a voice to a name of who I always mention in like so much of my content. So just thank you so much for coming on. It's a joy seeing you again. And, and I think we'll be running into each other pretty soon again. And, uh, thanks to everyone. Good luck. Be profitable permanently. Hey there, Hawk Hustler. Thanks so much for listening in today. It means the world to me that you take time out of your morning commute or during your workout or while you're at home to listen into our show. And to show my thanks, I would love to actually hop on a phone call with you. That's right. I mean, pick up a phone, dial a phone number, you know, do what our parents used to do back in the day before Instagram DMs. <laughs> but I would love to actually just learn more about you and thank you for, you know, tuning in and listening to our show. So if you'd love to hop on a call, just visit jerishahawk.com backslash chat, and I will talk with you soon.